podcast one production. Hey, I'm sports journalist Sam Squires. Welcome to On Her Game. For Matilda Alana Kennedy, her path to football was paved early. As a little girl growing up in Campbelltown in Sydney's West, Alana always knew that she wanted to play for Australia. She was at the AIS at 14, the W League at 15, before making her Matilda's debut at just 17 years old. Alana now leads the jet-setting life of an international footballer, playing in the US, Australia and in the UK for Tottenham. Being a part of the Matilda setup since she was a teenager, she's seen firsthand how the women's game has grown, both professionally and in its popularity. She has an impressive highlight reel in the green and gold, but even the best moments can prove the toughest. And missing that crucial penalty which saw Australia crash out of the Olympics in Rio still stings today. Alana is also an ambassador for the Cadbury Women in Sport initiative, helping to inspire young girls to stay in the game and stop the large number of girls who drop out of sport in their teenage years. Ever since she was a kid, Alana has loved getting outside and playing sport. I was a little tomboy. I remember when we would go shopping, I told mum, I was like, I want to go to the boys section. Let's go to the boys section. (laughs) I just loved sort of roughing it with the boys and um, always was very active, constantly doing stuff with, you know, with my friends and my brothers and sisters out the back. Um, Different sports. We tried all different sports when we were younger, but football was obviously the one that, that stood out for me. But yeah, I have very good memories of my childhood. So what sports then? You said you were a really sporty kid. What sports did you play as a kid? I was very um, quite involved in athletics uh, at, a, at one stage. I, I was a, a national champion for, for high jump, uh, sorry, state champion for high jump. Um, I did the, like, <laughs> I was national champion. Yeah. We would believe that you were national champion. We would believe that. <laughs> I came second at the Pacific School Games. There we go. Um, the one time I went. But I was very, <laughs> I was very um, like high jump, high jump, high jump. In fact, it's probably um, uh, been a part of a few injuries I've had as a footballer. But right. um, so that was like one of my favorite sports. But I did cricket. I did, I played rugby league at one point. I played AFL. I was the only girl in, in the AFL regional team at one point. I loved all different sports, trying, trying all different um, different ways I could be active and just rough it up with the boys. <laughs> so did you have any um, any sporting goals from a really young age? Like did you look to the Olympics and think that's where I want to be? Um, do you have any sporting idols as well off the back of that? Yeah, so my I have like a little news newspaper clipping that I did um, in the in the local um, paper at one point. I think I was about 10 and I said I wanted to be um, a Matilda and to play in the, wow. in the Olympics. And I guess you mentioned Heather earlier. Heather was someone who, um, was, was very visible for me. And so I was, um, I grew up sort of idolizing her as a Matilda and being able to sort of be close and, and see her in, I was like, you know, she plays Matildas. Like it was really, it was really cool for me to have someone like her, um, especially from Campbelltown area as mm. well. 
And so, yeah, I, I always wanted to be um, a Matilda from a young age. And then obviously the Olympics was something that I, I was like, you know, the, the Olympics is cool too, but it was always <laughs> Matildas. Like I want to be a Matilda when I grow up. That's cool. So that was when you were 10 and you said Heather, Heather that's Heather Garrick, who's a former Matilda and a commentator, now CEO of Taekwondo Australia, an absolute legend. Um, so she was the one that you saw that was visible to you that made it possible for you to see that that was a future that you could have as well. Yeah, definitely. Because I know a lot of the girls um, have different stories and, and they didn't know mm. who the Matildas were or whatever. But for me, I was fortunate enough to sort of to have Heather and, and you know, Sarah Walsh was from the area as mm-hmm. well. There was a few Campbelltown girls, Catherine Canooley. Um, so, yeah, there was definitely people who I had around me and, and maybe I didn't know them until a little bit until I was a little bit older, but it, it is nice knowing that people have come from, you know, the same place as me. And obviously that was great. But regardless of that, I always had this passion and desire to play football anyway. Well, tell us, how did you first play football? How did you, how is it that football came into your life and you gave it a go? My brother played uh, actually with Heather's brother at the time. And so um, he was um, my biggest sort of role model growing mm-hmm. up Um and someone who I have a lot of respect for even now. He, he's someone who I, I'll i vent to after the games or get <laughs> advice from. And so um, we, yeah, we spend a lot of the time in the backyard. And I, it's funny because my sister was always there too. and <laughs> But I never really mentioned her and it's oh. and she, she hates it. But so <laughs> Kayla was there too. Um, yeah. And she she was kind of just like the, the sacrificial lamb half the time. She copped a few to the face and whatever, but she loved it. <laughs> You So when did football start getting really serious for you? I understand that you went to the AIS, AIS when you were just 14. What was it like um, and how was that process? How did you get identified at 14? I was in the New South Wales Institute of Sport from mm-hmm. about 14. Um, we would go, we would sort of, with our young Matildas team, we would spend time at the AIS and mm-hmm. um, usually it would be like a Thursday to a Sunday. We'd have like a four a four day camp kind of thing. Um, but I also went to a sports high school, Westfield Mm. sports high school. Um, and so I think that gave me a lot of opportunity. Um, I, I was playing against the, uh, he, he was, uh, Alan Sajic coached the, Mm. the Hills, another sort of rival school. Um, and we, we played a game against them and he said to me, you know, I want you to come and, and train with us at the Institute. And, and obviously I was in the state teams and um, I think even at one point I was in like an under 13 um, mm. or 14 Australian team that we sort of, that was put together for uh, for a short period of time. But um, so, yeah, he invited me down there and then I kind of just ever since was, was playing there. And it's, I think for me, we don't, we don't have that set up anymore, but I think that really helped me. Mm. You know, I, I rock up there and I'm like 13, 14 and there's, there's 30 year olds who I'm training mm. against. And mm. yeah, I think it's, it's quite daunting, but it's also, um, it's, it's kind of, you know, it helps you obviously. And so I, I had a lot of respect for those girls and I, I feel as though that helped me as well. And, mm. and they sort of took me under their wing and yeah, I, I enjoyed that, that environment being able to, better myself as a footballer and eventually obviously um, debuted for the Matildas a couple of years later. That's one question that I did have for you because I thought at 14, if you're going to the AIS and you're getting picked up in all these teams and so much is happening, like as a 14-year-old, does that then give you the confidence to be able to excel at your football 
game every time you step onto the pitch? Or does it add somewhat pressure that maybe at 14 you're not yet mature enough to be able to handle? I think that that was never the case for me. Um, mm. I sort of embraced it and I, I, I quite enjoyed the environment. I think um, in the sessions, you know, the training was, was always fun as well. And so that, mm. that helps. But um, I enjoyed the, the routine I was in of, um, you know, I would go to school and then I'd, I'd catch the train with my friends after. And I think that also helps. They were, I wasn't on my own. I had a few other younger girls who, who were in the same boat and, mm. and we were sort of on the journey together. And so that, that always helps. And I think that's a huge part of the reason why I play football and I, mm. and I'm not still national high jumper. <laughs> 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 so so, you know, it's definitely um, helps having your friends there. Um, but, yeah, I think I, I sort of embraced that challenge and I enjoyed learning from those older players. Uh, I want to touch on the Matildas in a second, but I just before I do I want to talk about your W League debut because you made your W League debut when you were 15, which seems really young. But I know, like, it is we do have a lot of young stars in the W League. But can you take us back? there to your W League debut. What were you feeling at the time? What was running through your head? Take us back to that moment before you ran out onto the pitch. Yeah, so I think I actually debuted in in Wollongong against mm-hmm. Perth, Glory, for Sydney FC. Being from Campbelltown, Wollongong's not far. Mm. It's just a, a short trip. So um, all my family was there. And it's interesting because you train with these girls all week and, and at some points, you know, you're you're obviously there for a reason and there's that, you you know, you might stand out in a few sessions and you're like, you're not so nervous when you're around them in the training environment, but when you're stepping onto the pitch, it's like, Oh gosh, like it's, and it's, it's so, it's, I mean, I'm sure you guys would know it's really hard to replicate an actual game situation Mm. in training. And so you get out there and it's like really high tempo and whatever. And I do just remember being like, okay, well, I'm just going to work, work my hardest and just run around, whatever. I don't even know how, if I touched the ball much, like it wasn't <laughs> much time on the field, but, um, I just remember sort of being like, okay, well, I'm just going to run as much as I can and work hard. But, and then once you play one game and it's just becomes, it's mm. second nature again and it's fine. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a case of, okay, well, I'm just want to ease myself into the game. I'm just going to do what I can. And I don't even know that I touched the ball much, to be honest. (laughs) What was it like being the 15 year old in your side? You talked before about being in the Matildas um, or in the AIS um, training program, but, and having those older women being able to take you under your wing. But what was it like then in the W league and being that 15 year old, being the young one in your team? Probably the last couple of years has has been the sort of the first time where I'm not the young one, like I've, I've been <laughs> playing for the Matildas for a long time, but I've still, I've always been still quite young. Mm. Um, as have a couple of us, there's, you know, a few of us in there who were, and so sometimes I even, you know, obviously I know, I know how old I am and whatever, but it's, it's, um, I think you, you gain confidence with the, with the experience. And so I didn't necessarily feel that kind of fear or, or, you know, hesitation in those moments um obviously in my debut and and those more significant moments sometimes I there that you have those feelings but for the most part I think gaining some so much experience at, at a young age definitely helps with my comp like helped with my confidence mm. and and how I um prepared and and felt mentally going into games and so yeah yeah 
So um, fast forward to when two more years, you're 17 and you make your Matilda's debut. It must have been a hell of a lot of nerves going through you at that time. Or were you looking at that jersey going, I worked so hard for this and it's happening now? Yeah, my my debut was an interesting one because um, there was quite a few, I think there was about five of us who debuted on that day. Mm. Um, and a lot of uh, the Matildas um, were overseas. And so there was a lot of new people in that camp. And obviously I am so, was so grateful to, for my debut. And I, mm. I remember that day very clearly. Um, but I think in the moment it was like, you know, there's a lot of people not here. They have to play. So it wasn't one of those. I, I mm. felt like my next few games were my were my debut. And when I made the next camp where it was like, okay, everyone's back here and you've made this camp based on, mm. um, you know, people not being away. Mm. Those kinds of games were more how I um, saw myself becoming a Matilda. Um, but obviously I remember my debut very clearly. I debuted with Steph Catley, I think maybe even Hayley, uh, Georgia Yamandale, um, a few of the girls mm -hmm. who are still, you know, in and out of the squad. Obviously Steph is very, you know, she's there all the time. Um, so I think those moments are really cool to, to share that with people who, who are now, you know, she mm -hmm. just lives around the corner from me now and she's a, a great <laughs> friend of mine. Um, and so did it feel like you hadn't quite earned your place yet when you made your debut? Was that it? Yeah, I just think, you know, it's it's interesting because I feel as though we were there because we earned it and I, you know, I never I never left the team since then. I've mm. been there ever since. But just just mentally those things, I think maybe that's kind of like the, the competitor in me mm. or I'm my own worst critic. I want everything to be like, I want to know that I've worked my, like, my ass off for it and I've, so just little things like that I do mm. think about sometimes, but obviously, um, you know, I've, I've stayed a part of the team ever since. And so I, I get, you know, I did earn it. I like it though, because you almost wouldn't be like, all right, I've made it, I've done it kind of thing. You're like, well, I've just got to work harder and harder. And it's probably, probably a reason why you haven't left the team since, because you did have that mentality. Yeah, definitely. So I think, yeah, I think that's kind of ingrained in a lot of elite athletes and, like you said, you sort of, you don't get to these, um, get to where we are if, if you haven't sort of got that mentality. So. Um, is there something now that you're a senior member in the Matildas, a bit of advice or something that you wish you could go back and tell that debutante Alana at the time that you know now that you wish you'd known back then? I, do, I think for me, it's not so much, um, you know, around my football or whatever. It's, it's sort of, there was times where, um, you know, I remember one time I changed clubs to, to be a center back from, and or just to change positions. And, um, because that's where I was playing at, at the time, you know, it was aligning mm. with me in the, in the national team and you feel it's hard not knowing exactly what's the best move for you as it, as like, you know, as a young player, mm. but looking back, sometimes I just wish I, I trusted my intuition a little bit more and my gut and what I felt was right rather than feeling like, Oh, you know, I need to do this for, because I, now mm. wherever I go, I want to go where I'm happy and where I feel good off the field. And that allows me to be my best on the field. Yeah. Did you ever have a backup plan? Like if football didn't work, did you have a backup plan, what you were going to do with all your eggs in that football basket? Yeah, I, yeah, all my eggs were in that football basket. I never sort of envisioned myself doing anything else. And I think I've been lucky that I've had that, that I've been on that journey that's, that's got me here. But 
Um, I'm not sure what I would be doing otherwise. Um, you know, I, I talk about what, what I will do next, but I don't know what I would be doing if I didn't, if I wasn't um, playing football, cause that was where my, my head has been for, for the last, you know, 20 years. Can we talk about, um, cause it's a pretty close knit group, the Matildas, and you mentioned before some of the girls who you debuted with and are still in the squad. Um, I want to talk about another like little squad within a squad and it's your own squad with Caitlin Ford and Mackenzie Arnold. It's a really, what does that friendship mean to you with those girls? Oh, they're going to love this. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah, they're, the, the two of them are my best friends. Um, and so we, we're, we're all in London at the moment too. Mm-hmm. So that's been really cool that we all sort of landed here. And yeah, I think going through obviously you spend so much time with these people and, and there's a lot of, um, a lot of downtime when we're on tour. And so to have people who you have such a tight bond with and you're able to make, um, so many cool memories with, um, both on the field and off the field, um, is really special. And I think our friendship is, it's based a lot around, you know, taking the piss out of each other, but also (laughs) we have a lot of love for each other and, and they're, um, yeah, they're your best mates. So yeah. it's really cool that we get to share these kind of, um, these cool times together because they won't last, it's not going to last forever. Mm. So yeah. well, I want to pick up on that friendship with, with Caitlin, because it's something that like you guys have known each other since you were really young. How did it all start? Take me back there. When did you first, not so much have a friendship, but when did you first meet or know of Caitlin Ford? So Kate and I used to verse each other at athletics and she, it's so funny because our sisters were also the same age and they would verse each other. Oh. And we were kind of like rivals because we, we would sort of be in amongst the top couple in all of our events. And so <laughs> she would always beat me in the sprints and then I would have a, a better go at the jumps. And then in the long distance, we were kind of both like, quite fit but she would just always beat me and then I remember this one time because she would do the, I beat her once but she would the, what she would always do is and we joke because like our sisters would be like at the discus cage while we're like running around the field and it's like 800 meters it's like oh she, her sister's like go Caitlin and my sister's like go Lonnie and we would like pace ourselves and I would always like sort of pay keep the pace and then Mm. she would sprint home because she just had me on the sprint always (laughs) and she'd always beat me so that was kind of our little rivalry from the start but then then after that you know we became teammates and we slowly became more friends and and we would (laughs) we would travel together at times and I would you know I'd go catch the bus down to go see her at at the beach and Mm. our friendship sort of grew from there. And Mackenzie how did that friendship form? She came to a camp just randomly and <laughs> she sort of just hit it off with our, with, you know, our sort of group of friends. And yeah, she's so funny. We used to always joke that she, like, cause she can never miss a beat. She always hated, um, you know, the saying FOMO, like she always had fear of missing out. And so she was just <laughs> always there and she's so funny. Like she's, she's one of the, I think she's, I would say, and she's going to love this too, that I think she's like one of the funniest people I know. Um, she's just, she's just a, a really, obviously a good time and then a good friend. And, um, we, yeah, whenever we could, we sort of s- would, if, you know, if we were up in the Gold Coast or, if she was ever in Sydney, we'd always stay with each other and, and our friendship sort of grew from there as well. And then the three of us, I think, kind of just 
have just been really good friends for a long time. I want to talk about the change in women's football because you've been in the setup now for a while um, and you've, you've, your time in that green and gold, you've seen massive change for the Matildas in the way that the profile of, of your team and for you guys um, personally, the crowds, um, I mean, the way that where you're broadcast and how often you're broadcast now as well. For you, what has been the biggest change that you have noticed in your time in um, the Matildas? I think we've had a few sort of different milestones. I think obviously our equal pay that we that we achieved last, you know, I think it was mm-hmm. last year or the year before, that's obviously a huge step um, in women's sport uh, and then obviously football alone in Australia. And I think it was it was really cool to be sort of a, a catalyst with um, in terms of around uh, football around the world. You know, I know the US national team were really excited when they heard that we had managed to achieve that, managed mm. to achieve that. That's, it's, which is horrible, but mm. yeah. yeah. And so I think that was a really cool uh, moment to be a part of. And then um, more sort of, football specific it was really really cool to you know I think there was one year we came back and we had some I was I was in America at the time we came back we had some home games against Brazil and all of a sudden you know we were selling out our game or 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 breaking crowd records that Mm. we and having so many people there supporting us and I think obviously that comes off the back of the success that we've had as a team and Mm. what we've um, done on the field, but just the support of of our of the federation, and um, I think just the the conversation of women's sport and how you know how it's an opportunity to inspire the next generation and and mm. and to watch people who are who are really great at what they do, and so I think that was really cool for us because we you know we've been at games where we haven't had huge crowds, and so mm. um, and one of the things that I love about our team is how much time we spend after the game with our, our fans because, mm. um, we have been at games where there's not been as many. And so we want to make sure that we, they know that it's, it's appreciated. And, um, yeah, I think those are two of the, the, the big things that I've noticed in, in my time with the Matildas. Do you think your football had changed in that time? Or do you think your quality of football was always there, but you just never had the platform to be able to be exposed to lots of people so they could understand that that's what you were doing? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Obviously, as as we sort of we have quite a a core group of the team that were sort of coming through, and as we sort of gained more experience overseas and and come into a, a little bit more of our prime, I guess um, our football was better. But also, uh, you know, the conversations and and the exposure definitely helped as well. And so, I think um, we sort of pride ourselves on on living up to the expectation that we've kind of now got on, Mm. uh, on our shoulders with, with the way we've performed over the last couple of years. And I think that's a a credit to some of the form that the girls have been in as well. You know, we've had, obviously Sam is, is a, an obvious one. Um, but if you look at someone like Caitlin at the moment, she's in amazing form. Um, and we've had players, you know, Polks has been a great defender for years Mm. and, and these people have, yeah, like you said, they have been great footballers for a long time, but um, it's really cool when obviously we're we're able to live up to the potential that we have as well. And I think we want to just moving forward, we want to do that um, even more so in the next in the coming years. Is there something in particular that you look back on now in those early times and those tough times 
and now is so different that you go, wow, like remember when we had to do something? Is there anything that comes to mind in that sense? Oh, you've caught me off guard a little yeah. bit. So I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I just know there is. Like there's been so many things that, um, you know, even sometimes some of the, the facilities or mm. the change rooms that we would have or or having to to shower in these you know, portable showers or walking across. I remember one time after, after a WLE game, we had to, we had our stuff moved out of the change room at halftime because the men were coming in and we had to get out. And then all of a sudden we're walking across to the local RSL in our boots, mm. showering there. And it's just that those kind of the, Mm. there's certain things and I'm sure there's so many stories out there, but those kinds of things. And, and they're things that we don't, you know, I would hope that people aren't dealing with so much at the moment, but there are so many things that, um, that have changed and it's obviously a, a really positive thing. I want to fast forward to 2016 and the Rio Olympics. Um, when you arrived in the Olympics, it's where you wanted to be as a little 10 year old that you wanted to be in the Olympics. What was it like when you finally arrived in Rio and you thought, holy bejesus, this is happening? So our Olympic experience was quite, um, was, was different. We actually didn't play a game in Rio. I think as a team, we sort of felt as if it was more of like just a, we were there, it was like another world cup because Mm. we, we weren't in the Olympic environment. We Mm. weren't in Rio. And unfortunately the game that we would have ended up in Rio, uh, we had lost and then we were out. So we're either going to Rio to, to, to be spectators or we're going to play in the, in the semifinal. So yeah, I think we're all really looking forward to, I know, you know, if, and when the next one happens, it's going to be a much different, different experience, but um, we're sort of looking forward to the next one to shape it differently. You played every minute of Australia's matches in Brazil, in the games, in the Olympics, but let's go straight to the knockout clash with the home side, Brazil. Finishes nil-nil, goes to penalties. Before we get up to your penalty, how did you feel about penalties leading into this moment and doing a penalty shootout? You know, it's interesting. I actually have, not many people have asked me about this and and no one's asked me that question because I do have, uh, you know, some before that, I guess for me, I was actually carrying it, carrying an injury through the tournament. And so mm. I didn't actually... Um, practice a penalty because I didn't train in between the games. I played game and then I rested because I was carrying an injury. And so the night before, the uh, the day before, the girls all practiced their penalties. And I remember sitting there on the esky. I was actually sat with Steph Catley. She also didn't train. And I we would sort of being like, oh, I wonder what way we would like, what way would you go? Where would you? Because as defenders as well, or me personally mm. as a defender, when I was younger, I used to always take the penalties. Mm. But in the last couple of years, when you're in a team full of sort of superstars and you're a defender, you don't take the penalties. So I hadn't taken a penalty for years. Mm. Doesn't mean, you know, I can't take one. Mm. Um, it's it really, it's quite simple, isn't it? But I managed no. to miss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, from the moment I decided I was going to take one because um, was, it was sort of getting down to a few of us, I was like, yep, I'm going to, I sort of, mm-hmm. I was in the zone, I'm going to score this you know, I'm confident, whatever. I picked my side and then, you know, the the rest is not the best history. Um, but yeah, in that moment, obviously I wish I could have it back, but mm. it, you know, you sort of move on from it. Well, take us to that moment. Take us to that moment when you stepped up to the spot. What was going through your head? You were confident you are going to do this? Yeah, definitely. I think you sort of have to be, otherwise, 
you know, there's, it, it, it can be quite a, a mentally, it's a mental battle sometimes, you know, are you going to kick it? Have you picked your side before you go? Or are you going to wait for the keeper to move or what, you know, whatever people have different sort of processes. But for me, I knew I was going to go down. I hadn't practiced one for a while. So I'd, I'd picked a side and I was like, okay, I had spoken to the girls. Cause we, after the first five, you then sort of, it's off the cuff. So mm. who's going next? You know, you have your, your top five and we had, you know, we had people who were lined up for the next, but as it go, it kept going, it just kept mm. going. So we sort of had to um, discuss it on the field. And I, I, I did, yeah, I was just so like, okay, I'll take it. And yeah, I was, I was very confident. And then, um, cause you know, you have to be, um, and then, you know, she, the keeper made a great save, uh, or she saved it and, and it wasn't the best penalty. And, you know, there was a lot of people saying, you know, she was off her line for certain mm-hmm. penalties and potentially mine, but I, she was going to save my penalty regardless. I think sure. it's just one of those things. So she saves it. Brazil wins. They go through. For you at that moment, it's a home side, the the crowd's going mad and you're left standing there. What, when you saw that she saved it, what did, what was that feeling like? Oh, it was just horrible. Yeah. I remember, um, and I've seen lots of photos of my, you know, my face was in my hands and, and then in the background you see it's sort of, it's, it's a, it's an interesting photo. Cause you know, I've got my, my face in my hands and then the keeper behind is, you know, cheering with the, with the crowd behind her or whatever. And so, it kind of tells um, the story in that photo, but um, I had, you know, the girls sprint over. Sam Kerr was like one of the first who had, had run over to me to hug me and support me in that moment. Um, and I know there was, you know, one of the other girls had missed a penalty too. And the night, the night of, um, uh, even our coach had sent a really nice mes- message to us both, mm-hmm. um, you know, saying it, it was just support straight away from the girls. And yeah, and I think that's that's kind of, I wouldn't expect anything different from our team, but I, I did. I felt horrible in that moment, um, and I, I thought about it for a long time. Mm. And yeah, it wasn't it wasn't nice, I guess. Um, but I think another thing that I had to remember was, um, you know, I did play every minute of every game, and I mm. there was things that I did that I had done. You know, these are the mm. sort of conversations that you have with yourself. You know, I'd done things in the game to to prevent goals or you know whatever, mm. and, and that's it's what happens. And so. Um, unfortunately for me, um, yeah, that's kind of the thing that people remember, but, um, yeah, I, I was looking forward to the next opportunity to, to take a penalty and it, it, to be fair, it actually hadn't come until, until the other night I hadn't taken one in, in a match, but, um, I, I scored that and I feel like once you do that, it's the, the monkeys off the back again and, and you just, yeah. That's four years later though. That's a long time. It, I mean, I have in like in training mm. and we practice it, but like I said, as a defender, it doesn't really come around often for me mm. to be taking a penalty. So yeah, I actually two weeks after, or maybe two or three weeks after my US team had, we, we won the league and we had gone to penalties in the final. Um, and I was in line to take one, but, um, we'd won it before I needed to take one. So, and that was very soon, but I, and mm. I was, I was prepared to do it, but, um, that was very soon. I would have liked to have done it then mm. to get it out of the way, but four years later, it's fine. I can wait. That's <laughs> <laughs> so such a long time. But how long do you think, um, you know, when you do have disappointments, it's not something that you can like just, just wash away and, and rub off. And you said it, it stung for a while and it's okay if these things sting, but how long did it sting for? How long? 
I think more so when I thought of it, mm. it did. I didn't, I didn't think of it a lot because I, I had, I had things on straight, like, you know, within days I was back in America and we were in the playoffs and I had another game and another league to focus on. And so I think that's, that's a good thing is that you sort of move on and you have a new goal straight away. But whenever I would think about it, you know, it's, it wasn't something that constantly like haunted me, mm. but when I thought about it, I definitely was like, Oh damn, you know, like mm. I wish I'd scored. Obviously I wish I'd scored. Um, now I look back on it. It's, it's for, you know, it's a, it's, it's a long time ago now. And so, yeah, I think it's only made me stronger in some, you know, in some way. The good that you, four years later, you took one and you got it. So congratulations. <laughs> we got there. I want to talk about the Women's Super League because you're now in the UK playing for Tottenham. This is the first year that for the UK that this league has gone totally professional. How does it feel to be a part of really like an historic moment for this competition? Yeah, I think it's um, it's really exciting, and I think since being here, I you know I've been in the US for so long that I I didn't know so much about this league, but I've been really impressed, and um, I'm really enjoying the competition over here. Um, I obviously enjoy London itself as well, but I think yeah, just the quality of football over here has been really impressive. And um, for me, I'm playing in the midfield, which is where I mm. enjoy my football a lot. Um, I play a lot of my club football as a midfielder as opposed to being a defender for the national team. And so, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. And, and I think the quality over here um, has, has, you know, it's it's top tier. And so I'm happy to be part of such a, a great league. What's the biggest difference to football as a culture over there in the UK as opposed to Australia that you've noticed? Um, I would say just here the, the rivalries and the... Um, you know, like the, the local derbies and everything is just, there's so much history and so much passion. And I know we have that in Australia as well, but I think here in Australia, we sort of embrace a lot of sports and, and here it's football. Like you come to mm. England and football is, is the sport. Mm. Um, and so it's, yeah, there's a lot of passion from, from, I guess the fans it's been, it's, it's different now because we haven't had any fans mm. at the games, mm. but um uh, yeah. So, but I still already, you know, without that, I can still sense that there's, there's huge, um, uh, expectations in those kinds of games. And I think just the, yeah, I think everyone's so competitive over here and the, their passion for the game is, is, is really high. Let's talk about your switch to the midfield from being a defender. Like that's, that's a huge switch, but you're playing your best football there. Is it frustrating that when you come back to Australia and, and play for the Matildas that you won't be in the midfield? Is that, or is that something that you want to get to? Or um, Not necessarily. I think for me, so I grew up playing as a midfielder. I was yeah. never really a defender until um, different parts. I, you know, I would always fill in at times and um, I've actually played a few games as a midfielder for the Matildas when I was younger. I, under, under Alan Stagic at Sydney FC, I was always a midfielder when I was younger. And um, if anything, I was actually more of a, an attacking midfielder as opposed to being a, a mm. defensive mid, midfielder now. Um, and so I'm familiar with the position and, um, yeah, it's where I, I enjoy playing a lot. Um, but I also love my role as a defender with the, with the national team. And, and I love playing, I love, you know, playing there as well. It sort of just depends on on where um, where the team needs me and where I I'm mm-hmm. at my best for the team and so 
yeah, I embrace that role um, for the Matildas. And so if if that's where I, I'll continue to be, then that's where I'll continue. That, that's what I'll do for the team. I want to talk to you about Cadbury because they've launched the Women in Sport initiative and they're partnering the four national sport bodies, um, uh, the Matildas, Cricket, AFLW and the NRLW. You're one of the ambassadors. Do you get some perks out of that? Do we get some chockies? Is that, does that come along with it? Please tell me. I got sent some chocolate um, just recently and I'm still sort of filtering it. Like nice. I love Cadbury chocolate. So <laughs> I was stoked. And it's actually funny. My manager called me and said, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm just eating. And he was like, oh, I've got a, um, and I was like, I'm not even going to tell him what I'm eating. Cause like it was the middle of the day and he was like, I've got like an opportunity with Cadbury. And I said, stop it. I'm literally eating a block of uh, Black Forest right now. And so it's just really funny that that sort of happened. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be part of their, their campaign and initiative. What do you love about this initiative and this campaign so much? Well, I think for me, uh, I was always, I was a young girl um, who who are in in their shoes at the moment? Obviously, the next generation that we're looking to inspire, and so to be able to have role models visible and people who you can identify with is is a huge a huge thing for young young girls. And I think it it obviously promotes the the idea of being active. And um, I think that that not only does that you know is that good for you know your health and your um, and everything, but I just think it has shaped me so much as a person being an athlete and the, the discipline that comes with it, the determination, the, just all the, all those kind of values and, and things that, um, that make you sort of a better person. And so I think the initiative is, is, is a really great one. And I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it. Almost half of all girls drop out of sport by the time that they're 15. You weren't on that side of the statistic. What prevented you from dropping out of sport at 15? I think for me, I just had so much passion for um, for football, um, and I, I grew up in an environment where I was constantly active, and and I found um, uh, that I made a lot of friendships through that. Mm. Um, and I think that that still today, you know, when I finish my football career, my friendships will still be there. And so mm. I think that's that's probably one of the biggest parts uh, or the the best sort of perks of it. And then, yeah, I guess, like I said, the opportunities that have come with it and, and the being able to sort of travel the world and and seeing so many different things is, is really cool as well. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that I, that I stuck with my sport. What would be your message to younger girls who are around 15, around that age where that statistic um, occurs, who are involved in sport and maybe considering dropping out? What would be your message to them? Well, I think it's really cool for them to be able to see that people are, are sort of able to to live this life and, and have a job and a career. Um, and for me, I think my message would just be that I wouldn't change this for the world. I feel so privileged to be in, in the position that I'm in. And yeah, I just think it's, if, you, if you're enjoying it, I think that's the most important thing too, is like, you know, it might not be sport um, or whatever it is, but I think it's just important to have, you know, that passion for something and to enjoy um, and obviously living a healthy, healthy lifestyle and all these kinds of things are, are, are definitely benefits and, and, and something that I think people should always, um, you know, want to have those healthy habits in their life. And what would it mean for your sport? You've been a part of two World Cups 
already and now the World Cup is coming to Australia and New Zealand um, in 2023. For little girls out there, what would that event do for them on the world stage to have that FIFA Women's World Cup here in Australia? What what impact will that have? I think the best way I can sort of describe it is is imagining myself there when I was younger and that would have just been honestly one of the coolest things to be able to see people who you identify with or people who you look up to and and aspire to be like um, and being able to watch them and and feel inspired by by what they're doing and I think it's quite rewarding for us to be able to to do that but yeah I think you know, had I had that have been me watching those games, I know I would have left there just being so hungry to 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 do what I could to be, you know, there if if that was my passion, you know, football at at the time. And so I'm really excited for that opportunity. And I think as we sort of touched on earlier, it's 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 really cool for us to know that we have that role for for young girls. So I'm looking forward to being able to interact with people and 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 have a home home um, crowd and. Yeah, we're all excited for it. And on that note, we finish every podcast by asking what advice you would give to your 10-year-old self. So can you tell us that 10-year-old self who wanted to be, who wrote into the paper and was quoted in the paper as going to the Olympics and wanting to be a Matilda, what would be your advice to that little Alana? I think it would just be that it, it, it'll pay off one one day. Like I think, and I can say that now that I know that it has, but I think it's sort of... Um, yeah, just keep sort of keep working towards what it is that you're that you're passionate about and that you, you know, you have that that desire for, um, because, yeah, I'm I'm so I wouldn't change um, any I wouldn't change the position that I'm in for, for anything. Alana, thank you so much for sharing your story with On Her Game. Thank you. On Her Game was presented by me, Sam Squires, and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Lindsay Green. Audio producer, Darcy Thompson. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au, download the free Podcast One Australia app, or search On Her Game podcast.